This is the Birth Village Podcast. Welcome to the Birth Village Podcast. I'm Morgan Brower, and today I am recording this introduction at a separate time than we recorded the episode because we are doing part two of the question and answer series from last week. So I the episode was recorded with Trisha. I will be with her today and we're just going to be answering all of your questions. So if you're listening today, we just wanted to thank you so much for listening. We're so grateful for all of the support that we have from all of our listeners, um, both just from anybody that's listening as well as anybody who's writing in or sending us voicemails or in person telling us how much they love the podcast and all all of the things like that. We are so grateful for you. It means so much to hear how much you guys are enjoying this and we always want to make sure that we are putting out content that you guys care about and so that was a major part of the reason that we wanted to do the question and answer episode in the first place. Um, So yeah, thank you for all of your support with that. As a reminder, you can at any time leave us a voicemail with a review if you guys want to tell us how much you are enjoying something. If you have a specific question, you can just call our voicemail. Nobody's going to pick up. It's going to go straight to voicemail, Um, but you can go to our Instagram, the Birth Village Podcast, and click the call button that's on there, or you can type in the number two, and that number is 4441 BVP, Birth Village Podcast, or the full number is area code 424, then again, 444-1287 or BVP. Um, We would love to hear from you. Leave us questions, leave us just comments or reviews or whatever. And if you'd like to, if you're feeling really nice, you can leave us a rating and review rating or review on whatever platform you're listening on. We would so appreciate that. Um, it was really fun for us to hear your hear your guys' voices, and we would love to be able to keep that going, whether it's occasionally doing like a question and answer type episode if we have a lot of a que- questions accumulate, or if that means that um, every once in a while on one episode or another, we would just listen to the voicemail memos that you guys sent in. So anyways, thank you again for all who participated in that and sent their questions in. We're so grateful for you. This episode was fun for us to do. And before we jump into that, I just wanted to give you guys a reminder about the expo that's coming up. It is on August 5th. And I mean, we've been talking all about it. So hopefully you at least know something, but make sure that you are putting that on your calendar because we are so excited to see you there and it is going to be really, really cool. So August 5th for the birth expo and then we've got some other stuff coming up too, but we're going to talk about that in future dates. So go ahead and give us a follow on the Birth Village podcast if you don't want to miss anything. And here we go. Okay, so we're just going to jump in. Okay, awesome. Here we go. Here is the first question. With my last baby, I made it to 41 weeks, and my doctor started pushing me for an induction. 
I wasn't sure that I wanted an induction because I've heard how much more painful contractions can be with Pitocin and I really wanted to go natural. But I ended up getting induced and then that ended up with me getting an epidural and then in the end it was a vacuum assisted delivery and the whole thing just was not fun. I still want to get my natural labor um, but I'm worried that if I go past 41 weeks, I will get pushed for an induction again. So what can I do if I can't get my provider to support me in going past 41 weeks? Oh, man. What a great question. And what a brave mama because yeah. the thing is, is um, the birth is a ride. And sometimes, <laughs> you know, the ride goes in a different way. And, you know and we just got to roll with it and then we learn and I, I always say to parents that have an experience that wasn't exactly what they wanted when they're sitting in my office and they're on the second one or third one and they want a different thing I just always remind them wow you have so much experience mm-hmm. and this experience is going to help you so much in your next one and you've learned things because you had to go through them yeah. that you know next time you're like, I didn't like that mm-hmm. and I don't want to do that again because that's how I learned. I yeah. had to learn from experience and that's what life's all about, yeah. you know? Um, and I'm, I cheer and applaud really loud for any first time mom that can get her exact experience, but it's pretty rare. Yeah. Um, but I'm happy for them if they do. So with that being said, this is such a great question because induction is such a thing that is pushed. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually surprised your doctor let you go to 41 weeks yeah. because typically they start talking about induction at your 36 week appointment and they are wanting to induce you by 39 weeks because that's what mm-hmm. they can do now. That's yeah. That's Whether what it, they're allowed to do yeah. with their policies. Right. Whether you need to be induced or not. So um, my number one, number one thing for all mamas having a baby is do whatever you can to not be induced because an induction takes away most of your options. I, I want, I wanted to say that let's talk about induction really quick. What are the things that doctors say to make induction sound enticing? Well, everyone who's been pregnant before that's made it to 39 weeks is kind of done. <sighs> Like so done, so so ready to be done being pregnant. And if a doctor is going to put a finish line in front of you way before your body is saying, I want to go to the finish line Mm -hmm. in most, I mean, especially in our society where we get whatever we want most of the time, you know, instant gratification, Mm -hmm. or we have a partner that maybe has to go back to work or we have Mm -hmm. mother-in-law that can only fly in for this week or yeah. we have, you know, there's so many things that make us want to plan our lives. Yeah. So induction is very enticing for most women that don't have the information that helps them understand that physiologically we need to let our body go through all the processes. Mm-hmm. Because in the last week of pregnancy, our body is doing so much and not only our body, but our baby's body in mm-hmm. preparation for labor. Yeah. And it's so unfortunate that we are cutting that off yeah. at 39 weeks. It's, you know, I've said it before and I'll say it, say it until I die. Common sense yeah. tells us <laughs> that we're pregnant for a reason. Yeah. And that reason usually is for better health for us and our baby, even though we're uncomfortable, even though it's 110 yeah. degrees outside. Whew. 
Um, I know I did it. I had an August baby and a September baby oh in gosh. St. George, Utah kids. So don't complain to me. Okay. Because <laughs> I've been through it all. And look, this life's hard. Yeah. We're doing hard things here. Okay. And it's like, oh, those, those few days that you have left, mm-hmm. like just, just wait it out. If you yeah. can like go to the pool. Yeah. Um, deep clean your bathroom i don't know like <laughs> it is hard it is it, hard to it, wait it i do believe I you that you're done being pregnant it's, it's miserable so i believe you that you're miserable but like the benefits are going to outweigh the the discomfort that you're feeling the benefits 100%. of waiting so what are the benefits of waiting well in the last week or so of pregnancy this is when your baby's brain is growing the most and they're getting the correct nutrition from your body where of course yeah if you breastfeed after your baby comes out but your baby's gonna be um, on colostrum and their whole digestive system is going to be reset Mm -hmm. so all of a sudden they're relearning their digestive system is relearning how to feed their body Mm -hmm. so you know i do believe that they we take a little break in that growing in fact most babies lose 10 ounces or so maybe even up to a pound in that like first week of being alive right Right. so imagine if you lost like i don't know 10 percent, 15 percent of your body weight um you probably wouldn't be feeling that great right in a week yeah process you know so we know that the baby goes through a transition when they're born um in the first week or so before you have full-on good milk and that's if if everything goes perfectly wonderful in that breastfeeding journey so So all of that happens for the baby. Um, Also, your body is preparing, like your cervix is getting ready. All of your muscles and um, we are producing hormones in our system that's helping our body get ready to birth a baby. Mm -hmm. You know, a very large thing is coming through a very small place. Mm -hmm. And when we give it the time to open up in the way that it's intended to open up and not forced by Pitocin or Cytotec or Foley balls, then um, our body, it just opens in such an easier way. And our recovery later is going to be so much easier because our body went through the physiological process of doing it in the best way that nature knows how to do. Well, when your baby tells your body that it is ready to be born, Mm -hmm that whole thing just begins to happen. Right. When your doctor tells your baby, it's time to get out of here. Your Mm -hmm. baby might be like, "Mm -mm," and your body might be like, "Mm -mm." and so just like that word force, right. Um, it doesn't always go great when we force things to happen. Right. And in, in that question in her story, she mentioned a forcep delivery or not vacuum, sorry, vacuum assisted delivery which means her body and her baby well of course she said she had an epidural so it's a little bit harder to be able to push out a baby when there's an epidural especially for a first-time mom um so there was some assistance with that vacuum and you guys it's not a vacuum for those of you that don't know they don't like plug it in and you know it's not a loud machine that's (laughs) sucking it's like it's like a suction cup basically it's a a little thing that they place on the baby's head and while you push they kind of put it in there and help the process of having your baby come down which we know is going to definitely cause more trauma to not only your body but potentially your baby's body as well so Mm -hmm. obviously we want to stay away from that if we can so if we 
would, if her doctor would have been okay with her going a few more days or whatever. Um, I've only had one client in the 17 years I've been doing this actually go to 42 weeks. Really? Yeah. And she was an in vitro mom. So we knew the exact day that she got pregnant and she went to 42 weeks, but she was bound to determine to let anybody induce her. She went to labor on 42 and zero in 42 weeks. (laughs) Exactly. Wow. Really, really crazy. So, so yeah, I, I just think, um, yeah, we have modern medicine for a reason, but this isn't a reason unless there's a medical reason why we need to let your body not be pregnant anymore. And that is, that is a thing that does happen occasionally where you have a medical reason where you have to have an induction and Mm -hmm. We, we're not trying to scare you away from induction and say that, oh, you're screwed if you yeah. get an induction. That's yeah. not it. But if it's avoidable, yes, it, you're going to have a better, a better yeah. situation. And then in the question she asked, how do I make sure that my provider is like going to let me do this? Right. Talk about it the whole time. Yeah. Bring it up as early as you can and let your doctor know. I want to go to 42 weeks if my body wants me to, mm-hmm. or, are, and are you going to support me in that? Yeah. And if they say no, okay, find a different provider maybe. Right. Um, yeah, because what I tell clients too, if they're getting pressure from their doctor be, to be induced, I say, okay, go in for their test, mm-hmm. go in for their NSTs, which is a non-stress test. Mm-hmm. Go make sure everything is good with you and your baby. And if everyone is good, then we can say, we're going to go a few more days. Let Mm -hmm. us have a few more days, you know, and you're the one that's the boss of that, you Mm -hmm. know? So if obviously if there's something not going perfectly wonderful with your body, then, then we'll, you know, talk about induction, but but yeah, if everything's okay, then your body just wants to be pregnant a little bit longer. And, you know, we put these dates on it and oh man, it's all a guess. It, it uh, is usually, like it, you said, you had that IVF mama, but like, it's typically a guess. Her body wanted to be pregnant longer. Yeah. So who are we to say that we're done being pregnant? Mm-hmm. Cause obviously if we're still pregnant, there's a reason why we're still pregnant. And as long as mom's safe, baby's safe, and we're checking those mm-hmm. things. Yeah. So you might hear a statistic, well, if we let you go too long, then you're at risk for this. And mm-hmm. it, you can check on those things. Am I at risk? Is my right. baby currently okay? Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. If and I'm okay. okay and my baby's okay, I'll be back in a few days. We can double check it again. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I, I just truly believe when we can be relaxed and let our mind go. And if we're not getting this pressure, because I really believe that we keep our babies in sometimes because of pressure from mm-hmm. our healthcare provider, whether we're at home birthing or not or hospital, yeah. whatever, like our mind is very powerful. And when someone keeps telling you that they're not trusting your body or your baby's body, then, um, chances are you're not going to trust it either. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, just like Morgan said, if you're wanting a, a way different experience and you're choosing the same provider, just know that chances are they're going to be doing the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. So my advice would probably be change provider yeah. and see how you feel, but, and you can always go back to the other one if you don't like the new one, but yeah. we have options, ladies. They're working for us. We're not working for them. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't have a job if it wasn't for you. So you might as well get the best experience that you possibly can. Get what you want out of yeah. it. So yeah, great question. Yeah. Good luck, mama. <laughs> okay, let's do the next one. Okay, here we go. 
What is the best way to prepare mentally for a home birth? Oh, yeah. Okay. Question. Ooh, because we do talk about mm -hmm. preparing mentally, but mm -hmm. what's <laughs> the best way to prepare for a home birth? Well, <laughs> depends on who you're asking. My <laughs> yeah. opinion yeah. probably would be the best way. Oh gosh, affirmations mm -hmm. is up there on my list as far as the things that you're going to do because when you speak things into um exist like when you say things out loud mm -hmm. um your brain starts to believe that they are actually really there so visualization like visualizing your birth that you're going to have tells your body that you've had that experience before isn't right. like yeah it's crazy how that works and so talking to yourself out loud and saying things like i am powerful i trust my body. I trust my baby. My baby is healthy. Like saying these things, these affirmations out loud convinces your prefrontal cortex that they are true, right. that there is science to back that up. Oh yeah. And so that's at the top of my list. I wouldn't say, I don't know if I would say that that's the best way to prepare mentally, but it's mm. high up there. Yeah, for sure. And write them on your mirror in your bathroom yes. or hang them somewhere. Um, on your fridge or record them on your phone and listen to yourself saying yes, them. Yeah. Cause you say, Oh, affirmations. But for some people there, there's like, okay, affirmations, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. So actually seeing it written down, listening to it being said on a daily basis, repeating the words out loud because our subconscious needs to hear our voice saying these things. And it, it begins to believe you. Mm -hmm. It really does yes. change your experience to tell your mind that, that mm -hmm. this is our actuality, that this is our reality, is that I trust my body. Mm -hmm. Whether it's true or not, it will start to become true yes. if you say it often enough. Yeah, and so many times I'm witnessing a mama in birth and she will say an affirmation just to herself, like, it's okay, I, yeah. I trust my body, my baby's okay, you know, and I know that she's been practicing these affirmations yeah. her whole pregnancy, Yeah. so I love that. I think that's great advice. Mm -hmm. Um, also I think, you know, on top of the mental preparation in the affirmations, um, would be like preparing your space mm, yeah. and, um, kind of getting excited for your space, you mm -hmm. know, because it's in your house, you're mm -hmm. going to be in your space every single day. So, um, getting specific things. I, one home birth I walked into, there was a picture of the ultrasound and it was a, in yes. a framed picture um, it was so cute and, you know, it was on her bathroom counter. Maybe it was by her tub. I don't remember, but I know that it had been there for a while. Mm -hmm. So just reminding yourself, like, this is where my baby's going to be birthed mm -hmm. and making that space, um, something for you. It doesn't have to be picture perfect. It doesn't have to be, you know, Instagram worthy. It just has to be special for you and comfortable. Yeah. Maybe, um, a candle or maybe, uh, a picture or some of your favorite stones or, mm -hmm. <laughs> or crystals. If you're into that, Yeah, you know, make it a very safe, beautiful space that makes you excited, mm -hmm. you know? So that's another thing that I would do too. And then, I mean, education, obviously, we always talk about informing yourself, informed consent. Um, so anything that you can do to make yourself feel more um, more prepared, more confident, and yeah, mentally, it's going to have a lot to do with 
Um, meditation we didn't mention and, and meditation, it helps you practice, um, relaxing, which is hugely important during labor. And so meditation can be a big thing to help your mind because at some point during the process, you have to let go and surrender and you have to practice do be allowing your mind to let go and surrender. So meditation can be really huge. Um, it's so funny cause a lot of people I've, I hear people say like, oh, I'm just not really into meditation and I'm just not really into affirmations. And it's like, okay, get into it, <laughs> yeah. figure well, out how to let it be, figure out how to do it for yourself. Like yeah, what it, version it of meditation look a certain way? It yeah. doesn't have to be your, like a yoga no. goddess that it has all the, th- no, it doesn't. It's just, if you love you. that. Cool. But if you don't, yeah, totally, there yeah. are different ways yes. to meditate, but do it please. Yeah. yeah. Just be intentional, I yeah, would say. Yeah. Intentional about preparing your space, your mind, your body, obviously, and then it, everything's just gonna fall into place. Mm-hmm. So I love that question. Yeah, that's a really Short great and one. sweet. Too. Yeah. <laughs> okay, here is the next question. Okay, so I am wondering what you recommend um, to help prevent preeclampsia and help syndrome. I got both of those with my first. Um, so anything that you recommend to not have that happen again in my second pregnancy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's talk about what preeclampsia is. Okay. Um, so it, it has to do with high blood pressure, but it, it it's not synonymous with high blood pressure, right? Or is it? Well, I mean, yeah. Pre- or in preeclampsia, one of the symptoms is definitely high blood pressure, um, and also fluid retention, but, um, preeclampsia is just something that happens in your body because of lack of nutrition, (laughs) because your baby is good, is taking too much from your body and your body cannot react in the way that normally it should be reacting. So, Mm -hmm. um, the main symptoms are high blood pressure, swelling, and then protein in your urine. And that's why every single time you go into the doctor, they -hmm. take your blood pressure, they check your urine and they, I mean, obviously check out your body, make sure you're not swelling too much. So, yeah, because they need to make sure that these things aren't happening because this is definitely a reason for an induction. If you become preeclamptic now, help syndrome is a type of preeclampsia as well. It's just like a a specific version of Mm -hmm. preeclampsia. Mm Yes. So women who have preeclampsia definitely could get HELP syndrome, which HELP syndrome is even more dangerous than preeclampsia. You know, it can definitely um, cause more symptoms like blurred vision, um, fatigue, um, nausea, vomiting, um, very bad headaches, nosebleeds, you know, there's a lot of things that could be happening with the help syndrome, but it's, it's all kind of one in the same. So if we don't catch the preeclampsia early enough, we can definitely get this help syndrome. So, um, I just felt like we needed to help people understand what these things were before we say, how do we treat them? Which I kind of already said, you know, they happen most of the time because of nutrition. Now, now I'm not saying if everybody just eats right, no one's going to ever get sick. That's not what I'm saying at all. Because some women definitely their bodies um, struggle. They struggle a little bit more or maybe the um, their bodies aren't taking in the nutrients that 
Mm -hmm. They should be, and even if we're eating them and trying to feed our body the right way, sometimes our bodies don't absorb them in the way that we need them to. Mm -hmm. So, so my number one recommendation to make sure we don't get any type of preeclampsia, preeclampsia, sorry, type of syndromes is it from the very get go. And even before you get pregnant, ladies, if you're deciding to, um, you know, get pregnant, yeah, yeah this is the time to start really focusing on your health mm-hmm. and um, specifically um, nutrient-based um, nutrition. And we talked about this in our last um, questions episode. Um, we talked about Dr. Brewer and the diet yeah, that yeah. he recommends, but it is really the number one thing that I would say is this diet. And it is specifically a whole food type of diet, very high in protein. Mm-hmm. And I would say really for the vegans and the vegetarians out there, these ladies have to be extra with their nutrition, specifically protein, because right. any type of protein is going to be very high in um, iron and well, I, I think that it's valuable to mention, too, that if you have had preeclampsia in a previous pregnancy, you're at higher risk to get it again. Mm-hmm. So if this is you, for example, the person that sent in this question, um, you got to even just lock it down even more. Mm-hmm. Be really vigilant about getting all of your nutrition in as best and as yeah, as best as you can. Right. Um, you talked about even early on in pregnancy. What about the people who are so ill that they can't mm. hardly eat anything? Do you have any advice to those people? Oh, yeah. Well, the main reason why we're getting sick is because our baby is taking everything. Not just our baby, yeah. but our body. Just because growing the placenta really is taking so many nutrients away from us. It takes a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what usually why we're sick. So even though we don't want to eat, we need to. Mm-hmm. And if we can get the protein in early in the morning, even better. Mm-hmm. Because that's what our body's really craving. If you think about how our baby and our body is being grown in this area, it's with our blood. Mm-hmm. And our blood is... Um, our blood volume is increasing at this time and that's usually why we're feeling so nauseous and sick. So the more protein we can get in and specifically an animal protein. And I know that the vegetarians out there are going to hate me for that, but (laughs) it's just the truth. Yeah. You know, it's the amino acids that are in that protein that is building our blood and it's what's building our baby and our placenta. So if we are feeding our body, I mean, as much as we possibly can, I know yeah. no one wants to wake up in the morning and eat a chicken breast, you know, like that's, or a beef liver. Oof, no. <laughs> um, so whatever protein is going to work for you and, and eggs is actually a really easy way. And there's so many different ways to cook an egg. If, if you're not into the hot like scrambled type of eggs with cheese or whatever boil the eggs i know mm-hmm. i know that that can be a, a smell and <laughs> yeah very very sensitive but if you could just get down one egg in the morning there's the nutrients in eggs is just it's beyond amazing you know? yeah yeah so um i hear a lot of women craving cold cereal um when they're pregnant and i i really think that that's just because it's easy and it's cold and it's, there's not a lot of flavor, but, um, I, I truly believe that cold cereal is 
fortified with a lot of vitamins and minerals because it literally has none in it. So there's lots of <laughs> iron and, and fiber and stuff. And I'm not saying that this is a good option. It, if you can, it's not a whole food. Okay. Yeah. But a lot of women will crave that. Another thing, another one that I recommend is a baked potato because there's zero flavor on that. If you mm. don't want any flavor and some cottage cheese. Yeah. That's very high in protein and you can get that down and there's very little flavor or smell to those two foods. I put chia seeds and hemp seeds on mm. anything I possibly can because yeah. those are fairly high in protein yes. in a little amount. Right. So I think you can get like five to nine grams of protein depending on which which one we're talking about mm-hmm. in like a tablespoon or two. Yes. And so if if a smooth in a smoothie mm-hmm. in some yogurt in some cottage cheese whatever yeah. just like dump in a couple of scoops yeah. of the of the seeds in there is is pretty helpful to get protein in and that. it's not animal based protein no. but it's helpful to have it's protein it is yeah so in any form ladies the sooner you can get it the better the yeah. less sick you're going to get and then that's keep some s- cereal by your bedside maybe before <laughs> yeah. you even get out of bed just oh, yeah. slam a couple handfuls of cereal mm-hmm. and then you can get up and make your egg yes yes <laughs> or like a protein ball if you yeah. like have a recipe for you know that's that's not going to be you know gross to your <laughs> alicia smells. at simply postpart at is it simply Southern birth yes. is her Instagram. Mm-hmm. She's got some really good protein balls. Yeah. And she actually has a cookbook that she just released. So you Sweet. can find that. Yeah. So I would highly recommend that just having things ready to go because getting up and making a meal for yourself is just not very feasible when you're mm. not feeling. Oh, good. it's rough. So if you have it already prepared in the fridge, um, and by the way, have some peppermint oil next to your bed, and if you wake up and just so nauseous and can't even imagine eating, just sniff the peppermint oil on the way to the kitchen, mm-hmm. find that food quickly and just eat it as mm-hmm. soon as you possibly can because you will feel better. I promise you. Honestly, uh, I don't know if this is good advice or whatever you can weigh on in it, in <laughs> on that after. I was kind of joking about, I actually did keep cereal by my bed oh, really? because I would wake up at 3 a.m. to go Mm-hmm. and be sick at 3 a.m. Yeah. And so I, there's no chance that I would have made it to waking up in the morning and then been able to eat. Right. So I said it kind of as a joke, but I really did keep cereal by my bed in that first trimester and had a handful at 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. and then had a handful before getting out of bed at 6 a.m. or whatever. And then that gave me just enough energy to make it to the kitchen, right. to make my avocado toast or whatever I was going to make. Mm-hmm. Um, I did kind of say it as a joke, but whatever you got to do, if you have to wake up at 3 a.m. to eat a handful of cereal, like whatever you got to do, your your body's just so hungry. That's such good advice because the reason why you are so sick in the morning and why it's called morning sickness is because your body's so hungry. You didn't eat all night. (laughs) Yeah. And it's just like, that's where the sickness comes from Mm -hmm. is lack of nutrition. Mm -hmm. So if you can start early on in your... Most of the time. Most. (laughs) There are people that have conditions or whatever and have to get some extra help. But yeah. And, but for the most part, most women don't have that high of a chance of what's it called? Where you're so sick all the time? Yeah. Hyperemesis? Yes. Oh my gosh. I was <laughs> saying hyper something. Yeah. So okay. most people don't have that, but if you it's do, it's kind of different than what we're exactly talking about right now. Yeah. So, um, yeah, going back to that, if we start early on in our pregnancy, very intentional 
with our food mm-hmm. and understanding what our body needs and trying different things and going like, oh, that worked so good for me. Um, also getting out and moving your body to going on a walk, which is the last thing you want to do. Mm. But getting that blood pumping will help yes. with the whole process and you will feel better once it's done. It's Go just, on the slowest walk ever. Yeah. You don't have to get anything intense mm-hmm. done, but just like start to mm-hmm. move your body. Yeah. You don't want to do it, but you do because it's going to help. Yes. And so when you start doing these behaviors, you start trusting your body like, oh, I can help myself. I know how to do it. So when you get into your second trimester and you're feeling a lot better, continue down this road of health. Mm-hmm. Continue feeding your body very nutrient dense foods mm-hmm. so that the chances of preeclampsia or heaven forbid help syndrome will not be a part of your story. Right. And I truly believe that we can prevent so much of that just with what we put in our mouth. So so I hope that answered that question. All right, mamas, it's time for another postpartum planning workshop. This workshop is taught by four of our amazing members of the Southern Utah Birth Village, and it helps mothers tackle the challenges of the fourth trimester and ease the transition into motherhood. The workshop will be held on July 15th from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. at Crux Sport and Spine. Whether you're preparing for your first baby or are a more seasoned mama, this workshop has something for everyone. The topics that will be covered are postpartum planning, relationships and perinatal mood disorders, nutrition, breastfeeding, and how to move your body postpartum. With this workshop, you get a free ebook with all of the information from the class, or you can upgrade to a hard copy of that ebook for just $30. Lunch will also be provided, and trust me, it'll be nutritious and delicious. Spots are limited, but if you hurry, you can get this amazing workshop, ebook, lunch, and a fountain of information for just $99. Contact the Mom Cairo on Instagram with questions or if you'd like to reserve your spot. Again, spots are limited, so you're going to want to sign up as soon as possible. The next question is, here we go. I also am wondering if you are in the hospital delivering your baby um, and you're not progressing, what would you recommend to help things move along faster? What a great question. Yeah. Oh man, we hear this a lot. Let's move this along faster. You know, that makes my skin crawl. The quote unquote failure to progress. Mm -hmm. I saw something recently that was like failure to progress might just be a failure to wait. Yes. I love that. It's so true. We are so obsessed with timing when it comes to (laughs) labor. In fact, ask any woman, any moment of her birth, and I promise you she will know the hour, (laughs) like how many hours she was in labor. That's how obsessed we are with this whole speed it up let's get things going yeah um because the instant gratification that we're mm-hmm. used to having yeah so there's a lot of variable of variables that will go into this question um the main one is okay so if you're in the hospital with an induction and we want to speed things along obviously we're going to do it with medication right mm-hmm. you're already in a medical state you're already there to get induced mm-hmm. so we want to continue to speed things along so that's a whole nother story with induction if this question is pertaining to a mom who goes into labor 
physiologically on her own and she is in the hospital and her labor must have slowed down. So this probably means that maybe she was in a really good labor pattern and that labor pattern has slowed down a little bit. So there's a lot of things that could be happening here and we don't need medicine to speed it up. Not in in every case anyway. So usually I would say um, if a mom's labor has totally slowed down and she is in the hospital, where are we at? Like there's so many questions about this. Um, if it has slowed down, it's usually just because she, her body needs a break. And this is the beautiful thing about physiological birth is if our labor slows down, we have to go, Hmm, okay, what do I need? And most women are going to be like, what should I do? What should I do to speed it back up? Like, Mm. let's take a break. Yeah. Let's rest for a half an hour. Let's leave you alone. Let's let you and your partner be by themselves and just, um, you know, reevaluate and yeah. be calm and get some oxytocin going and usually she just needs to be left alone well there there's this is common we just talked about people who are s- wanting so bad for their pregnancy to be done mm-hmm. and then i think it's the same emotion during your labor you're just like let's get this over with right but it, you're gonna have a you're likely to have a better experience if you just relax allow it to happen how it's mm-hmm. going to happen yeah trust your body yeah And to even be admitted into the hospital in a physiological labor pattern, this is what I'm talking about. Like you, you have to be, in my opinion, at least three or four centimeters. You have to be having some really good consistent contractions um, to even be admitted. So I would say if things like totally slow down, when we go, when we move our body to a different location while in labor, um, our body will react to this new location. Mm-hmm. Even if you're at a home birth and your birth team arrives, yeah. sometimes a labor will slow down. Cause you your know? body's just taking into account. It's just like making sure that it feels safe still. Exactly. And so there's, it's not a necessarily awful bad thing for mm-hmm. your labor to slow down. Your body is just either taking a rest or taking in, all of the new information. Are we mm-hmm. still in a safe place? Is this still an okay place to right. have my baby? Mm-hmm. There's an affirmation you can say. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but did the nurse say something to you that you didn't like? Did, mm-hmm. you know, something happen with your IV that you didn't like, like that all of those can be a factor to make labor slow down. Mm-hmm. So like I said, we, we just need to leave her alone for a little bit and just make her as comfortable as possible. Mm-hmm. So as a doula going into the hospital, Um, I will always go to triage with them because I just need to make sure that they still feel comfortable Mm. and whatever's happening is still safe Mm -hmm. and it's understanding why they're wanting certain things and not someone bossing them around because a woman in labor that's getting bossed around is not going to be in in labor for very long, you know, so, um, just keeping the space really calm and as soon as we get into that room I start the tub just so there's some background noise that's kind of drowning out you know machine noises and talking just start that water running so that she can hear like oh there's comfort coming soon Mm -hmm. you know so we're just really trying to protect the space for her um and then like if it's a home birth obviously and people are coming in and she feels like all of a sudden she's being watched and 
Mm -hmm. now her body's not doing what she thought it should be doing, then we leave her alone again. Mm -hmm. Or we say, hey, why don't you and your partner go on a walk? Let's, everything's fine. Do what you can to raise your oxytocin. Mm -hmm. If we are trying to get things back on track or moving along or whatever, raising your oxytocin is going to help. However, Mm -hmm. you can do that. If you Mm -hmm. need some examples, go listen to our episode from February. But um, is it worth talking about the miles circuit? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Will you tell us about it? Yeah. So I usually will recommend the mile circuit when mamas are in labor, not necessarily just for a slowed down labor. But what the mile circuit is, is it's just like it says, it's a circuit. So it's 20 to 30 minutes of doing a specific thing and then moving on to another thing. Mm -hmm. Like one of the first circuit would be like going on a walk, but only for a half an hour Mm -hmm. and then coming back and then total relaxation for an entire half an hour. Mm -hmm. Just giving your body something different and then in the next half an hour we're going to be holding a position whether it's like a a squat or like a runner's lunge you Mm -hmm. know leaning on something but you're putting your body into a position that is um the same you know and then we're gonna in the next circuit we're gonna get moving again Mm -hmm. so doing that circuit it will give you kind of a mindset of okay going on a five mile hike is not necessarily the best thing. And then going to sleep and just laying, you know, Mm -hmm. for hours and hours and hours is not necessarily the same thing or the best thing. So we're just going to mix it up a little bit. And that's what the mile circuit is. And you can go to milecircuit.com and, and read about that. Um, some women are the ones who came up with that and they're awesome. And I usually send that link to every single person that's in labor. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So check out the mile circuit for sure. But um, for the most part, it's just leaving them alone and yeah, and letting them chill and so trusting them. and trusting, yeah, and making sure everyone in the room believes that they trust her too, yeah. So letting the nurse or the doctor say, you know what, we just need some time, and then they say, oh, okay, yeah, for sure. We yeah. heard an example of that too in Katie's episode mm-hmm. when they s- they were feeling like, hey, it's time to move things along, and she said, can mm-hmm. I have an hour? Yeah, and they said, sure. Yeah. Right. So like, yeah, you can ask for time if you're feeling pressured to move things along and that doesn't feel right to you. You, you can ask for mm-hmm. time. If there's a reason why they cannot give you time, they're going to let you know. Right. But if you're just feeling a little bit pressured and you can ask for time. Yeah. For time and then for options too to think yeah. about what, okay, well you're offering to give me Pitocin or to break my water. Okay. Well give us an hour. Get, let us think about it. And mm-hmm. if we haven't progressed, then we will, approach that subject but Mm -hmm. for right now we're just gonna take our time yeah so i hope that answers your question yeah i think so (laughs) she's like i wanted a diagram or something but but sorry no no, that's it's just trusting your body okay here is our next question hello you beautiful mamas um okay (laughs) so my question is well i'm a v-back mom and let's see my first was a v-back my or i'm sorry my first was a C-section. My second was a V-back. And now this is my third. I'm 29 weeks pregnant. And then um, I was hoping for another V-back, obviously. So my question is, I've always heard... Oh, and this is my first time without an epidural. So I've always heard that, you know, if you're going to rupture your uterus, that you'll feel incision pain. And so this, since this is my first time feeling everything, I'm wondering what's the difference between like the incision pain feeling versus just like normal contractions that kind of pain so I didn't know if there was 
a specific thing that that there's a difference or if, if it kind of all feels the same I don't know <laughs> so that's my biggest question and then I have another question um so I okay that was actually the end of it so yeah, we'll answer perfect, that actually that question and then we'll listen to her second that's such a good question because um a lot of women do hear that and um being a part of many many VBAC births I will I'm here to tell you that that's it's not always true like most women don't feel any extra pain in their incision site wow yeah and um and she talked about how she had an epidural with her VBAC which mm -hmm. congrats on that VBAC by yeah. the way that's so awesome that Great you were job. able to get that um but yeah I I don't think that there would be anything to like give you a heads up on or to think about like, yeah, you may feel a little bit more stretching or mm. a little bit more pressure in the front, but this particular, um, story, she's already had a VBAC. So I don't think that she's going to feel any more pain in the front. Um, but that being said, I definitely have had a couple of experiences where a mom, does feel a little bit more in the front. Is um, that an indicator of something maybe going wrong? Not necessarily. Okay. Like I used to think that it was, and that's why I would always say for a VBAC mom, I believe that she needs to stay unmedicated. So because she, yeah. if there is an abruption that happens, and that's the biggest concern with a VBAC is the, you know, that scar rupturing mm -hmm. um, inside her body. If she had an epidural, she would have no idea that was happening. Yeah. But if she's natural, you know, she's going to feel it right away. Yeah. And say, heads up, I'm feeling something very painful. And it's not only during a contraction. Mm. If it's a, con a oh. con you know, because if you imagine, I yeah. mean, we don't like to imagine that type of pain, but um, it would definitely feel different than a contraction, mm -hmm. you know? So, but I wouldn't say that that's something that you'd have like need to even worry about you don't have to expect that mm -hmm. feeling no not necessarily cool. and even if you are feeling it um there's a lot of other sensations going on too so mm -hmm. it's not something to worry about in my opinion and as long as you remain unmedicated you're gonna know if something's mm -hmm. not feeling right or not yeah 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 and i would say a hot towel on the front instead of on the back or both you know depending on your position and being in the water is going to definitely help with that awesome sensation as well if like i said you're only feeling that during a contraction yeah okay so. here is her second okay. voice memo okay i think it cut me off for my second question so i'm gonna mm -hmm. ask it again just in case um i have a question about placentas and if at a home birth the midwife always allows for the placenta to come out on its own or do they do things to help it come out do they pull on it do they ever do anything like that or is it just routine they just always let you like birth it on your on your own and then also if you're in a hospital will the doctor be okay with you you know birthing it on your own or are they going to try and pull on it I just didn't know what was routine for home births and for hospital births so thanks so much mm. what a loaded question <laughs> because there's so many different variables that goes into this question as well. Sure. Um, depending on how you're doing after your birth and how you're, you know, if your bleeding is under control and, and how aggressive anyone's going to be. I, I call it aggressive just because when they're aggressive, 
it seems like they're trying to prevent something from happening or to make something that is happening not happen as bad. Yeah, sure. <laughs> that, sure. I don't know if that made sense, but here's the thing. Physiologically, after you birth your baby, your placenta will detach on its own. Your body knows exactly what to do. And yes, we do need to give it time and be patient with that. Now, when we are in the hospital, we know that time is of the essence and they do not like to sit back and wait when it comes to your labor. And especially after your baby's out, the doctor really wants to move along. And so they do get quote unquote aggressive with your placenta, meaning a lot of massage on the outside, trying to get the placenta to release because, you know, if you could imagine after your baby exits your uterus, it's a very pliable muscle in there that's kind of, you know, they're able to manipulate very stretched out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if they massage and we say massage, yeah, that's a weird word. (laughs) I wish we could come up with a different name for what they do because when you think massage, it's usually a nice thing. So, um, but this is not nice what they do to your uterus. It's some aggressive, like pushing Mm -hmm. on your stomach, on your uterus. Yeah. And they're just trying to get that placenta to detach from Mm -hmm. the uterine lining. But, um, yeah, it's not quite the same thing as a massage. Right, right. So the only time I've ever seen a midwife in a home birth be aggressive, quote unquote, that word, um, is if it's been over maybe 45 minutes, close to an Mm -hmm. hour, which is a very long time. If you can even imagine, I mean, imagine being in the hospital and a doctor actually hanging out in the room for a whole entire hour after the babies. That's kind of laughable. Like (laughs) it it is just standard care in midwifery though, to wait. Well, they don't have anywhere else to go. They stay there for what? Three hours. Yeah. At at least if everything's going perfectly wonderful, you know, they don't leave. They're your number one provider. They're your nurse. They're your doctor. They're your baby doctor. They are not leaving the room unless everything's great. You're breastfeeding, your placenta's out and you need a little bit of time and they go into the next room to do (laughs) some notes, but they're always within distance of, Hey, will you come get this? You know, like you can talk to them. So, um, so yeah, but the only time that they would get a little bit aggressive with your body is if a placenta isn't coming out on its own or your bleeding is a little bit more than they would like to see, then that is when the aggressive massaging is a good idea on your uterus because they need it to clamp down. Right. So when we are doing that massage, when they are doing that massage, it is helping your uterus to contract and that's what we need. But there's a lot of things that will help it contract. Um, Breastfeeding. Specifically having your baby near your breast, whether they're latched on or not, just nuzzling, that's going to create oxytocin and that is going to make your uterus contract. Mm -hmm. Um, physiologically that's the plan mm-hmm. you know we don't need any other medicine every once in a while we do need a little bit of pitocin to make sure that uterus is really staying good and contracted but mm-hmm. for the most part we don't we don't need that so if you are a birthing in the hospital and you want more of a gentle placenta delivery then you're gonna have to ask for that and you're gonna write it in your birth plan write it in your birth plan talk to your doctor before about it and then remind your doctor because they've probably already been to three births in the (laughs) last hour or Mm -hmm. whatever that was being dramatic i'm so sorry (laughs) but 
you do have to remind them, hey, remember what we talked about? I would I would prefer you just kind of sitting back and waiting a little bit. Do you mind waiting? Or maybe go do some notes or something and then come back when mm-hmm. my placenta is ready to come out. So you can definitely ask for that, whether you get it or not. It depends on your provider. Mm-hmm. Um, but you will definitely be getting that at home unless, like I said, unless, unless there's the a reason. Is seeing something, yeah. So. Yeah. Do you think that answered the question? I think so. Okay. Let's hear our next question. Okay. Uh, okay. Actually, we don't have any more questions, but we did have someone send um, kind of a response to someone else's question about heartburn, and she sent it in voice memo fashion, and so we just figured it, it might be a nice thing to um, share with you guys just for... Uh, some advice. If you're experiencing heartburn, here is what this mama has to say about it. Hi. Okay. I'm sorry. It's so late. I hope you don't get this tonight. (laughs) You'll get it in the morning. It is not, um, a rush. I just keep forgetting to text you and tell you to tell the other mom in the class that has heartburn. (laughs) I have the most random solution that's been helping me. So I get it really bad at night. Um, But if I have a little bit of dairy before I go to sleep and then a couple of the papaya enzymes and just like a teaspoon of apple cider vinegar in water, I do not get it all night long. I don't know what it is about the combo. Mm. No idea. But for some reason, it totally settles it. So maybe she can try. Maybe that will help because it's miserable. (laughs) Okay. Anyways, thanks. Harvard is miserable. (laughs) Mamas helping mamas. Yes. Oh, it's the worst. But yeah, you, I always hear those, those three things, but not necessarily in the combination. That's so interesting. Like I'll say, oh, try maybe some dairy before because dairy will really, it's, it's stomach acid Uh that's just coming up and this is why we're having heartburn. So if we kind of calm it down with a little bit of dairy or papaya enzymes, which you can get, it's like a little pill form, like a chewable pill form yeah. that you can get at a health food store, but really just anywhere. Um, or apple cider vinegar. I know it seems acidic, but it actually will calm down stomach acid. That is so interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, stomach acid is just about as acidic as it gets. Yes. So even almost anything is going to be more alkaline than your stomach acid. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's very interesting. I know. But the combination of all three, there must be something with the combination that really just helps this particular mom. But wow. I love the idea of like, just hit it hard. Like why, why stop at just milk? Yeah. Why stop at just papaya and get this combo going? Yeah. So, um, actually, okay. So I did just look it up. Um, papayas are considered alkaline. Oh Yeah. That's so interesting. Well, yeah, there's an enzyme in them that actually break down. And so I guess that would alkaline. Would and actually it says grapefruit, lemon, limes, mangoes, papayas, cranberries, plums, prunes, and sour cherries are considered alkaline instead of acidic. That mm. is very interesting to me, yeah. but that might be why it's helping. For sure. Yeah. Huh. I love that. Imagine. I know. <laughs> it really is the number one thing that most mamas deal with in pregnancy. Like yeah. the thing that they're just like, why with this? Yeah. It's this freaking heartburn. heartburn. Yeah. It's just horrible. But I, I would also say too, like if, 
if you're suffering every single day, no matter what you eat, obviously you're going to have to use, you know, these little things. But for the most part, usually there's one particular food that is causing the heartburn. Mm. So if you figure that out and you can do without it, you know, yeah, <laughs> it's not worth it. Yeah. Just stop eating that thing. For yeah. Me, for me, it was peanut butter and chocolate combination, which was really, really sad. It was oh, R.I.P. I know. But You're back just, at it, though, I hope now. I'm back at it. Like, Great. you would not even believe. <laughs> <laughs> I inject that into my veins. <laughs> Now we know what gift to get you, chocolate <laughs> but just kidding. Anything chocolate I'm happy with. But no, what I'm saying <laughs> is, you know, find the food that's the biggest offender and just maybe stay cut away. it out. Yeah. yeah. So Well, awesome. Thanks for all of your questions and advice. Mm -hmm. We love. love it's been so great to hear from you guys and fun to feel like we're interacting on a more personable level. So totally. I love it. Send us any more uh, voice memos via DM on Instagram. You can email them to us. You can, if you have our phone numbers, you can text them to us. Or we do have that voicemail line set up. That number is 424-444-1BVP or 287. So 444-1287. Uh, we seriously do love to hear from you. Send us any reviews suggestions for episodes questions that you'd like us to answer we're not 100 percent sure what we're going to do with them we might do another question episode like this one or like the previous one that we did or we might throw men randomly into different episodes but all of that to say we would love to hear from you check us out on instagram at the birth village podcast check us out um, check out the southern utah birth village and the southern utah birth expo pages on instagram um contact us via email if you're in love with email at the birth village podcast at gmail.com and i think that is all that i have to say i love it thank you everyone we've just thoroughly enjoyed everything you guys are putting out there and we love to help everyone that's why we're doing this podcast mm -hmm. we're not getting paid a lot over here just by the way right. <laughs> <laughs> if you were wondering if you're wondering that we are a labor of love so. yes <laughs> a labor of love for sure we're very grateful for all of your support and for everything that you guys are sharing with your friends sharing on instagram we're so grateful for all of the support that we have and it's been a lot uh, yeah. a lot of support so yeah, we're really happy about it so cool Okay, remember ladies, empowered women, empower women. <laughs>